All right. Good morning, good day, good afternoon, and good night. It's Ross Miller with Dr. Stephen Bourgeois of the Old School. Sitting here, waxing philosophically about the problems facing the American education system, as well as offering timely and relevant solutions, uh, the kind of which can be implemented immediately and no doubt lead you to whatever. So here we are. <laughs> Thank you, Herr Miller. That, that was a, a great introduction. Uh, the first part really was, I was thinking, wow, did he write this? I ran out of steam, though. I couldn't, you did. I couldn't think. <laughs> it's too much. Too much pressure. Well, and, and, our, and our listenership keeps growing. I've looked at the statistics, and it's it's mind-boggling how we've grown in the last few weeks. Why is I, that? I could. I, well, I don't know, but I could. I could be folding under the pressure. I don't think I'm going to. But uh, uh, perhaps just the thought of so many people listening, uh, climbing exponentially uh, from week to week. I think it's because uh, you and I have a pretty easygoing uh, uh, interaction with one another, and and uh, we're talking about stuff that people care about, and um, they're interested in maybe a different idea. They've heard the same bit for the last decade or so, last couple of decades, and I think they're ready for something different. Okay. I hope that's what it is, and not just you uh, listening to it all day many times to get the numbers up. <laughs> what happened? And good. Um, well, um, <clears throat> where are we heading today, Herr Miller? I'll leave that to you. Well, we're going to look at, and we're going to we're going to uh, look at, and we're going to kind of compare the German school system, of which you're quite familiar with, and I uh, certainly am, but not probably to the extent that you are. And uh, we are also going to compare it from time to time with what uh, the American school system does. Sounds kind of boring and academic, and I'm, I already started to nod a little bit there. I, I just don't know. No, no, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. We're going to fill it up with wit and wisdom, and then <laughs> we're going to leave them riveted. Okay. Well, I'm always a little re reluctant, and that's kind of the German way. It's like when you give a compliment to a German, like you say, um, boy, that t-shirt is great. You know, the German will not, they're not expecting that. And they'll say, well, um, isn't it too something, you know, yeah. isn't it too big on me or something? They always like to minimize that. And it's always a qualifier. There's a qualifier. I think that's rubbed off on me. So I'm, I'm kind of a qualifier <laughs> in this conversation. Um, I do occasionally look at our analytics for where the people are who are listening to us, um, mainly in the United States. Uh, have this world as you would map. expect. Yeah, yes. this world map. Um, it doesn't get specific though, so we can't say if we have Hawaiians listening to us or Alaskans. Or um, I like to think so. Uh, if if so, it would all like come from uh, your address uh, where where you live and those multiple listens. <laughs> uh, but interestingly, when we click on Europe, uh, there are, there are two downloads from Germany. All right. Yeah, That's good. so, so there, uh, there are Germans out there, but here's the other part. Um, this statistic has a popularity, you know, so do they like us pretty much, or do they see the whole or listen to the whole podcast? Okay. So for the United States, it's 97.5% popularity. So either they like us or they at least listen to the whole thing. But in Germany, those two lone, those lone two listeners, the popularity is 2.5%. Damn so they hate us in Germany. Damn it! I know. What, I will admit we... you start you, you started you started spouting numbers and then then I started to fall asleep. Uh, no, 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 you need. I'm not, you need I'm not good at numbers. numbers. 
because we need to win over the Germans. And, and I think over the years, and we've both, we've been there together you know, as part of German exchange programs that we've led um, many times together. And, and I think we've, um, have we turned off the Germans uh, over all these years? I don't know. I don't think so. I yeah. think you're quite charming in Germany. Well, much more so than America, I think. <laughs> I wonder why that is. Um, I don't know. Um, they could just be laughing at our, our strange dialect. I've been told that I, I sound like somebody in Bavaria a little bit, even though I've, I've spent most of my time you know, in the central area part of Germany, northern. Um, but but I, I don't know why that they, they say, are you from Bavaria? I have been told that my accent is not dissimilar to someone who's been locked in a basement for 20 years. <laughs> what are you getting at? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so it, I don't know. I don't know if it's the way I'm saying my R's. I'm, I'm not quite sure. So, well, and I don't even know how you have a, how you have a kind of a, uh, a litmus test of uh, understanding of what a person locked in their basement for 20 years sounds like, but uh, that's what they say. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> Um, I've never really been confronted with that question before. Um, so, so tell us about schools. Um, and I think we should give the listener or listeners a little background on, you know, why we've spent so much time in, in Germany. Um, how about, why don't you start out then I'll follow and we'll keep it kind of brief because they're probably kind of interested, but they want to hear about schools. Well, for me, I mean, my first exposure to German culture and German language and Germans uh, came from the neighborhood in which I grew up. Uh, but uh, starting as a professional in teaching, uh, I got involved in uh, the international scene in Fort Worth, Texas, and they had a sister city in Trier. And then I started uh, taking students to Trier, which is in the far western part of the country near Luxembourg. And um, and it kind of grew into that and, and not only grew as far as the language, but also my understanding of the culture, the history, but then also how the schools work. And so then in 2008, you and I made our acquaintance. And then from that point, you and I started taking students to Germany. And now I do it on my own, but uh, uh, not on my own, but uh, sans toi. But uh, that's right. Because you, you essentially, well, you, you did take over the program that I, that I took over. You know, so I, I, when I came to Texas, um, a gentleman had a longstanding exchange program that really started in 1960. And so when I came along in 1994, um, I, I actually had a full-time German position and inherited this program that had, you know, it was one of the first, um, mm. you know, during that, that period of Cold War and a little bit dicey to go to parts of, of Germany. So it was quite a big deal. Um, but I took several groups to Germany and hosted. So you do both. And you, the idea is that you let the students learn what it's like in the in the in their counterparts shoes rather than doing a tour and staying in hotels where you have limited um experience um with what it's like in a home and so we right. uh, but central to that idea is, is the the school and so we spend um every weekday in in school like, like the germans do and then they have some excursions mainly on the weekends but i've done that with with several different um cities or schools in germany um and, and, and it's really been a, a great experience to get to know what it, what it's like in the schools specifically 
Um, so that, that's kind of our background, but, but I think for how many do we do together in four or five, something like that, something like that. Yes. Yeah. And then, then you've taken it, taken it a little bit further yourself. And I've also had the great fortune of seeing other schools, uh, schools in Mexico, schools in Japan, because I've led a couple groups of students to Japan. So I, you know, I have some sort of frame of reference between how one culture does it as opposed to the other. But, you know, I think there are certain elements of uh, the German culture that permeate within the school system. And I think it makes itself obvious in the school system. And um, and it makes it for an interesting experience to be able to just sit there and take that in, but also to try to learn from as well. Well, um, we probably want to talk about our impressions of the, the students themselves um, mm. at the schools. There's a lot of ways to go. We, a little background is that the, the German high school is called the gymnasium, at least the one that we've visited. Um, but they, they have some different options. So everybody goes to school for um, the first um, four years, and, and they, they call that the primary school or Grundschule. Uh, and after that, they get to make some choices. And, and that's where, you know, in the United States, we would probably get a little upset thinking, okay, you're doing tracking after fourth grade, but pretty much they do tracking af after fourth grade. And they either go to a, a school that's going to lead to high school and college or, or more of a, a, a trade school, but still an excellent education. So what do you think about that in general? Well, keep in mind, that's something that, you know, for, for listeners who are of our age in our fifties and, you know, maybe older, um, you know, this is something that actually used to exist here as well, you know, where, you know, every high school, every uh, academic high school was usually accompanied by an adjacent to a trade school. And so, um, so you had an option, you had an option to either spend all your time at the high school, or you could then also then go and, you know, learn how to fix cars or learn how, you know, electrical systems or what have you, you can, um, you can figure out all that sort of thing and get it and pick up a trade and pick up a skill and pick up certification that used to be how we did it. And we've kind of gone away from that, but the Germans have not, and perhaps it's to their credit because I, you know, one of the things that I kind of bemoan, uh, and, and within the American high schools is kind of a dismissal of the trade schools and a dismissal of the skills associated with the trade schools. Uh, because now it's all about everyone go to college, whether you want to or not, it's, it's ir regardless of your own personal interest. We, we want you to go to college. And so I think the Germans kind of keep that, keep those tracks open. And that's, that's a decision for the students in Germany. It's a decision for the parents and, um, I actually don't mind that element of it. I think that you know we, we can have a, another conversation down the road about you know college prep in in the United right. States. I think if we talk a little bit about Germany, we'll we'll see that they they talk about internships you know in some of the these trade schools and and I think we we mention it, but often we don't really um, connect the dots. So it's a an, an internship with me, but these are real companies that potentially could give them a job later mm. and, and that's the element that maybe we don't develop as well as as we could at least right now you had i mean of course my school is a little bit different in the sense that uh the the district in which i teach has developed an entire center for uh in part vocational training but also other things as well and so um there that that's still alive at least in my neck of the woods but I think we're a bit unusual in that regard. I don't think there's a lot of places that are putting that kind of emphasis and putting that kind of money into that kind of education. 
Well, and and I think we we do have a a tracking system. I mean, it's uh, implicit. It has it really starts in middle school. It really it depends on how early you take algebra one, for example. If you take it in eighth grade, you're pretty much going to be taking advanced courses, uh, honors courses, whatever you want to call them, AP. And, and that's a form of tracking. It's just not, you know, official, but but we really do have have students who are may, maybe 20, 30% on that track. So it's not that different right. from the numbers in Germany. They're pretty even as well on, mm -hmm. on that grouping. So what about, um, what are some of the elements of, and we, we talk about it in general, talking about the fact that, you know, there is the kind of the Grundschule, the kind of the beginning of things, and then you start going into different directions based upon where your interests lie. Given how much time you spent in a gymnasium, which is kind of the, the college academic preparatory uh, version of high school in Germany, what are some of the observations you have, some of the things that have either impressed you or mystified you as to how the German school system, at least at the high school level, to use an American term, how that works. It feels um, like we're jumping back in the 1950s. Um, and and, and I, again, I haven't visited schools in the 1950s, but the idea of, of rows of, of, of desks, um, really traditional teacher-led instruction, you know, much more than, than we do here. I'm, I'm sure there are um, more modern um applications now using, using group learning and, and so forth. But for the most part, you see the, the teacher holding court, the students taking notes and, and lots of uh, serious testing, mainly essay testing. Um, but the I think the most interesting is, is that the, the students quite often remain in the room, the teachers move to the student. Um, so so that, that's a, a big difference. And it's a psychological difference, one, one of ownership, because it's really the student's room and they're there in that place. And then a different teacher may come in. Um, and, and that's and not the always. The yeah. yeah, the teacher is actually the interloper here. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, from my point of view, my room is my room. You're walking into my domain. But in Germany, the, the feeling is the opposite. That's right. And I mean, I can remember um, sometimes, you know, early in my teaching career, I didn't have a designated classroom. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was I saw I moved here and there and I was really using someone else's space, but but in in Germany it's pretty stark. You don't have any decorations on on the walls for one thing. Um, I uh, my image and I probably yours as well is a chalkboard, and so the they're probably catching up in the last few years, but but really very mm -hmm. standard. Um, and they have the windows that open out and and and, and so forth. But you know we've been kind of love those windows. You miss those? Well, um, I love the windows. I wanted to get them in, in my house. I love them. Uh, well, they know what they're doing with those those windows. They, uh, But they can't handle warm weather. They send kids home, you know, by our standards when it's probably 85, 90. Um, they, they but what's interesting, and here's what's interesting. We talk about, you know, and this, this is a subtle difference about how Germans view and treat, uh, quote unquote, children. Mm -hmm. Um so what you're referring to is what the Germans call a Hitzefrei, uh, which is basically when they call off school because it's too hot. But there's degrees of that, no pun intended, you know, because if you get up to a certain point, what they'll do is they'll dismiss the kids who are younger than, say, 12. And 12 and over, you should be able to handle it. You're a big kid now. Suck it up. Deal with it. You know, more is expected of you than what's expected of the little kids. 
so with those announcements, uh, the kids are sitting there with with bated breath. Are they going <laughs> to grade sixth grade? Where are they going to draw the line? Exactly. Um, yeah, and so they're sweating in a different way, wondering, do we get to go home? Um, my kids, my students love the hits or fry. Yeah, because we live in Texas, where it's 180 during the day, and so they just they just assume, man, if we only had hits or fry, you know, they're just blown away by the concept of it. Well, they're and but they're a little bit tougher in the in the winters. You know, we will cancel school for a week if we have three inches of snow. You know, and so they're they're used to that. Um, or if the water goes out, or <laughs> right. Um, but but as far as you know, teaching in in Germany, the you know, my observation is that the the requirement uh, is that a teacher is is certified to teach two different subjects, often quite different. Maybe you teach Latin, and maybe. Um, you teach mathematics, something like that. But that's part of their training. So by definition or by requirement that the teachers have a, a broad range of knowledge. Um, and, and often they teach different grades, you know, which is unheard of that you'd be teaching fifth graders. And then later on, you teach a high school uh, history course. Right. Um, I think the other, I think that to, to your point about the idea that they're supposed to be trained in two different areas, there's a couple of things about that. One, is that it creates a broader base of knowledge with which the teacher can present a lesson or you know present examples or present uh, correlations and things of that nature. As, but also the fact that sometimes the different fields of discipline are disparate. And so you might have what we would term here in the United States a more humanities uh, subject, and then you would have a more scientific subject. And to me, We've talked about this before, the idea that, you know, in the United States, we have very delineating thinking. That's a math kit. That's a social studies kit. That's a you know history kit, whatever the case may be. But in, uh, in Germany, at least in my experience, there does not seem to be that delineation. Everything folds into everything else. And each subject provides context and support and justification for all other subjects. And it's like a self-fulfilling, self-aggrandizing, uh, self-building of each and every single subject all meshed into one. So having teachers who can do that, I mean, over here, it would be pretty rare. Um, so so it's really, it's great talking to teachers in Germany. Um, remember the faculty rooms. I've mean, talked about faculty rooms in the United mm -hmm. States. It's a place where New teachers should, you know, just keep out because you're going to um, probably quit if you sit in there too long. Um, and those rooms are largely empty, you know, during the school day in the United States. You know, so before school, maybe a little bit or at lunch. And, uh, but in Germany, they set up. I mean, they have like all these tables laid out and they have their little stations with their books and, 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 and all of their paraphernalia. And they're in there a lot. And so there's a lot of conversations between faculty members, um, because when they're not, um, teaching, they go in there and they, and they prepare. Whereas, and, and that, um, yeah, that's the key too. That's mm -hmm. the key in that the, the faculty room serves a different function in Germany than it does in the United States, where in the U S it's seen as a respite from the job. Right. That's why you can go in there and bitch about it all day long. Mm -hmm. And then in Germany, it's a workspace because again, teachers don't have their own classroom. This is where they work and they usually have tables where they can work together, you know, kind of a more of a collaborative type of thing. Um, it, it's really something that, that we miss out on. And I, I think that because we're sequestered in a classroom all day, 
And imagine a career where you're around kids, which is great. Um, but then when the bell rings at the end of the day, you get in your car. So you're really not interacting with adults uh, nearly as much as, as probably we could or should. And that has a detrimental effect in a couple of ways. One, it, it kind of creates a lack of cohesiveness among the staff um, because, you know, we're all busy. We have busy lives and outside of school, you know, that's, that's our time and off we go, you know, all those folks backed into the parking, <laughs> parking space. <laughs> ready to roll. And so you're ready to roll. Uh, but there it's, it's a, it's, it's a different kind of vibe and there's a different kind of spirit that's kind of associated with, uh, the way in which uh, teachers work together. And and it's not like that's unheard of in U.S. schools. And certainly uh, you see it a lot, uh, you know, particularly in mathematics and science where the demand to pass tests have created kind of more of a demand for teachers to collaborate. But there is kind of more of a, here is kind of more of a forced issue to some degree based upon quote unquote test results is being done for different reasons. There is like a genuine collaboration among professionals, discussion of ideas, discussion of methods and what have you. So it, it's really professionalizing the profession um, and, and they're compensated uh, as professionals also. I mean, they certainly make a relatively more money than, than we do um, and they have an incredible retirement. I mean, they're, they're called a, an official, an opter, which means mm -hmm. that they work for the government and that when they get to a, a, the age of retirement, um, they're taken care of. You know, it's, it's quite different. I, I, I don't know the numbers just how dramatically better it is there but they get paid more they're certainly treated by the public you know with with awe it's a real different dynamic uh, as a teacher over there and if you want to compare it to the united states it's a tricky thing because i think you know every time i meet somebody and i tell them i'm a school teacher um inevitably somewhere along the line the conversation will go to oh man i can't i can't I could not do what you do. I, I have so much respect for you. Um, now, I don't. I don't take too much out of that. You know, as far as you know, I appreciate. Of course, if anyone says anything nice about me and my profession and what I do. Of course, I'm a gracious individual. I, I don't mind you know being gracious towards that. But it seems like that only happens in isolation, or it only happens within a certain kind of framework or societal situation. Uh, I think beyond that, I don't, I don't know if there is a great deal of respect as far as what teachers do and, and how teachers do it. And part of that goes to how teachers are treated by, by politicians and, and higher up education officials and to how teachers have kind of screwed the pooch, as it were, as far as like how they behave and how they interact and how they, how they conduct themselves in their job. That's not something you see as much. I'm not here to over romanticize how great a German teacher is, but there's more, more is expected of them. Well, um, also more is expected of them before they can become a teacher. You know, they have a much longer internship. I mean, it's really a paid internship where they're gaining confidence and getting a lot of feedback. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> you've talked about <clears throat> these signs that say you come and teach, you know, these yes. billboards. Um, they, they don't have any billboards over there. They go, they have to get these college majors in, in subject areas and a lot of practice teaching. So it's, it's a, it's, it's a pretty desirable field to get into. 
is a desirable field. And as you say, they are compensated for their efforts. And we talk about the fact that their job is considerably harder than ours only because, you know, or one reason is because, you know, U.S. system tries so hard to find shortcuts in every imaginable way, uh, both in how they fund, but then also how teachers conduct their classes and how administrators encourage teachers to conduct their classes. Um I wonder about some of the other aspects of the German system. For example, you know, our system is known as nothing but test. But in the German system, there's only one test that matters. Can you speak to you a little bit about the Abitur? Well, this is a you know really the test at the, at the end. So the this the gymnasium, the academic high school goes through the 13th grade. Um, and, and I mean, it's comparable to having seven or eight uh, AP tests um, in 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 one or two sittings, and you know, so there, there's just a lot more rigor. I, I hate that word, but but they they have high stakes. Uh, imagine taking those AP tests um, with the caveat that if you don't get a four, you know, which is you know four out of possible five, um, you don't graduate. Meaning you have to either um, go into the military or the workforce right now, or you go back and repeat a full year. Um, And and so the the stakes are really high. And and I've probably told you this story before, but there was a a student, you know, when I was visiting and and I was invited to the the student's home by the parents, along with the the teacher with whom I was staying, the, the head of the program, my counterpart. And, and we had a wonderful dinner and and we, then we went to the living room and talked, um, about the student and, and, and they were wondering what could be done because the student failed by just a couple of points overall on this abitur. And, mm. and those were the options, you know, go to the military, um, go back and repeat your whole senior year uh, or potentially a, a trade school or something. But, you know, we don't have that kind of stakes. I mean, we talk about high stakes uh, testing, but we, we really don't, um, have that kind of concern on the part of a student. Like, like I mean, they get a three or a happy two, as we sometimes yes. call them on the AP test, <laughs> no, no harm, no foul. And, and and those actually are not even recorded in the grade book. They either get college right. credit or they don't. Um, so the differences are, are, are stark as far as that goes. And not, and, and not just a, not only does a student run the risk of not graduating, but even at the higher level, should they score higher, high enough to graduate? There's still a question about whether their scores will be significant, be sufficient enough to get into the school that they want so they can pursue the vocation that they want. And sometimes they have to consider different vocations if they cannot get into school or they just have to leave the country and go study someplace else, you know, you know depending upon what their language skills are. But, uh, but there's like multiple layers of, stakes attached to this to this one test now the test is not just sit down and take a multiple choice test how's it broken down well there, there there's uh, just a, a lot more writing it's essentially a writing test you know that, that that's all it is and imagine rolling in you know six or seven or eight ap tests but also the sat in a way because you mentioned the college entry they have specific numbers that they require you know, at, at, at each school, the, you know, their, their universities are relatively streamlined on, on that. So you, you get to get into specific programs based on a, a number from high school. 
And so that that's just out of our world here. You know, we we consider college applications and high school almost separate, except for your class ranking and GPA, which does matter. Right. Um, so you have this one. You have this one part, uh, the the written test, or what's called the uh, Schriftliche test, mm-hmm. and then you have the Mundliche test, the uh, kind of the oral part of the Abitur. Right, and and that that's a part that you know I'm I've I've never obviously observed. I'm not not as familiar, but but they uh, they would would have to sit down in front of a of teachers and and defend their knowledge. Um, very. Uh, intense and and probably lots of preparation and and gnashing of teeth on the part of the student to do that as well. Um, But their, their own teachers grade, you know, but they have a standard. And so they have, it's almost like a blind review and, and those, the, the jobs of the teachers are on the line. If, If they, you know, grade, you know, they have lots of checks and balances, but at the time of, of Abitur, there, there's a lot of grading and Germans, uh, the teachers are used to grading essays and they do it all the time. Um, but, but what a, what a stressful time, you know, and then ideally the students graduate and, and uh, that's when the fun starts. And in a, in a way, college is much easier than, than, than their equivalent of high school. And you see this in other places around the world too. And one of the one of the school uh, systems that I am familiar with, uh, at least enough to make this comparison, is in Japan, where high school is so strenuous, high school is so challenging that university is almost kind of a kickback, as it were. You know, where you can just take it easy a little bit. It's not nearly as demanding. You can cut loose a little bit. And of course, in American schools, American colleges, you can cut loose too. But the problem is, is that this is where the demand really kind of steps up in, in the American structure. Whereas in, in other places, not quite, not, not, not the same. Well, I'd like to talk about the, the student and that, and we can't help but generalize on you know, American students and German, but something occurred to me. I didn't want to miss you. You mentioned administration, right? You know, we've been at several schools and, and the structure is, is, the school tends to be an entity, you know, not part of a, a school district like we have necessarily. Right. So it's it's autonomous to some extent. Um, but the idea of central administration, or even the think of the layers of administrators on a campus, you know, exactly. that, you know, everybody teaches. You know, the the head of school uh, is the first among equals, meaning they right. they do teach. Um, and and they're promoted typically from within, and, and and they may be promoted to assistant director, and then they get to direct the school. Um, but they're not, you know, they don't go through training and administration. They 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 learn it on the job, and very very different. Uh, and you don't see these levels of you know all these vice principals and counselors and, and quite different on on the, the structure. And you mentioned before, you know, going to Germany is a little bit like going back into the fifties yeah. because it, you know, and I think still in, in kind of small rural schools today, but in general schools, 50, some odd, 60, 70, some odd years ago, it was quite common for the principal to still be teaching classes that the duties of a principal was done in conjunction with the duties of a teacher. And, you know, a principal listening to this today said, there's no way in hell that would happen. I could, I, I don't have the time to teach class in addition to their job as principal and they don't. And that's either a good thing or a bad thing. And I think it might be more a bad thing because 
once you leave the classroom, we talked about this before, right? Once you leave the classroom, what is it like one year out is like five years in real time. You know, believe me, I'm I'm there now. Yes. And so, um, and so for a principal, it becomes more challenging because they're not actually in the classroom. I mean, it's not like they don't remember what it was like to be a teacher, but they're kind of cut off from their teachers in kind of a real sense because they're so inundated with the demands, the politics, the money, and everything else that goes into being a principal. Well, the you know, following state testing at every level, like our you know our school leaders have to do, you know that there there's a emphasis on the on the teacher and the teacher's grade, and we we've spent right. a lot of time talking about the grade book, but but the there's very little complaining, even acceptable complaining. You know, the the teacher. Uh, is always right, you know, and, and they'll talk to parents. Don't get me wrong, um, but they have such such authority compared to what an American teacher does in that conversation um, that they win that conversation, you know, almost all the time. And then you take you you transition from this to something you just mentioned a few minutes ago. How would you describe the difference between the average high school student in suburbia, Texas? With the average German high school student, um, this this is the part that I, I was afraid of. You know, trying to generalize because there there right. are knucklehead Germans and knucklehead sure. you know Americans. Um, to give an example, just it seems like the the I guess my my short answer is that the Germans seem more mature, hmm. and and I think they're given more freedom. Here's an example: when when you know when you get on a on a train in Germany in the morning, quite often you see a group of students, you know, so they jump on a public transportation and they take that line down to their school and they get off, you know, so, so they're not uh, on a school bus. I mean, they have buses, uh, but that's still, uh, they use public transportation. And so there's just a lot more, you know, they, they seem to be, they grow up a little bit faster there. Um, in the classroom itself, they're, they're not coddled. Um, the, the, Interaction with the teacher can be fun, but it's also pretty intense. Um, and, and there's very little praise. Um, so uh, it's matter of fact. When one student will say something and then they, may, they might acknowledge it, but then they move to somebody else. There's a lot of raising of hands. So students are participating or, or they're not, and they're taking notes. But it, it couldn't be more different. I think you know, over time, that creates um, a more mature student because they I mean, this is what I wrote my dissertation on. They, they become more engaged in the topic over time. And I think because of the lack of praise and uh, little short-term rewards, but, but that's kind of my, I mean, you've had conversations with German students and you feel like, you know, you're almost talking to a, even more than a college student, but you know, they, they can talk on a pretty high level, you know, and, and that, is surprising, and and I don't know if we we can blame our system or our students for not getting to that level. But you know, just imagine the linguistic ability to have a, a conversation in English with with uh, an American teacher. Um, so their language skills are are better, and, and it just translates to a you know well rounded um, student who who grows up a little bit sooner. I think. I think uh, I think about my our shared favorite German colleague um, who uh, is uh, lovely and impressive in every sense of the word. She's, she's quite an amazing teacher, Uh, but you know, her, the way, what she demands of her students uh, is uh, 
and it kind of typifies a little bit of that spirit. I think once she realized that I was willing to engage politically, I think she was always kind of keen to have her kids come talk to me about, you know, all matter of things. One, because I don't mind talking about it too. I have them. I have the skill set to discuss it. Three, uh, I, I tend to try to stay uh, even kill as far as my approach goes with my students and, and just willing to engage. And the fact that those kids can engage in that way, you know, one of the things I always tell my students before we go to Germany or before we start a program, I said, you need to be prepared. These kids are not like your colleagues here. I mean, now again, you're right. You know, they're German knuckleheads and they're American knuckleheads, but I think part of it, um, and it, it's the example also holds here in the U S part of what makes those students different within the German system is also the German culture and what it demands of quote unquote students. It's the same thing here. We demand, well, we don't demand as much. And again, that's a very generalized, generalized idea, but both from a student point of view, but also what is expected of uh, young people in our society. Not a lot's expected and a lot is tolerated. And in Germany, that's not the case. And so in Germany, uh, students are raised to try to become as independent as quickly as possible um, to, to, you know, this is kind of, this is a fun discussion for parents, especially parents of young children as, as I am. When is what, at what age do you send the kid down to the, gro- uh, down to the corner, to the grocery store, to pick up something, right. to pay for it, pick it up, bring it back. College, you know, and yeah, college. <laughs> <laughs> but in but in Germany and France and other places, you know, the expectation is that they're doing that much, much earlier, five, six, seven years of age. And that kind of gives you an idea about how early the expectations began to mount for a German, German young person in contrast to an American young person. I'm glad you said that because you know the the school has has a, a role to play, but the, just how they're, how they're raised, the fact that they have a drinking age, you know, for beer and wine at, at 16. That I'm, I'm not touting that as a great accomplishment, but it just shows that the, <laughs> that they're you know thinking of a, a more mature individual at that point. Right. Um, so it. Um, um, I remember being in class. I mean, this happens a lot. You know, we we when we are teachers, you know, in Germany visiting, um, we can do a couple of things. We always meet with our own students, kind of have a pep talk, and uh, you know, try to talk them down from their stress and all of that. Um, <laughs> but we we're making sure they do what they're supposed to do and not wandering around the town, uh, but actually going yes. to class. I mean, that's <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy we have to do that, but we did. Um, but often we'll go into classes, you know, and I think that's, you know, if, if you get to do that, you should take advantage. And so you and I have been in many German classes and, you know, sometimes we'll just sit there and, and observe, but often they'll, they'll involve the guest. Um, and so they'll, you know, they'll ask, they'll tell the students, do you have any questions? Do you have a chance to speak English if it's an English class or German if it's another class? Um, and it's stunning how, how the hands go up immediately you know and and we're answering questions they're 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 good questions um, most of the time and that dialogue could go on for hours and hours and they have actual mm. questions replicate that here you know bring the german teachers into our class you know i mean you've done that how does that go well i think th- it depends upon the kids you know 
the, the most um, uh, the most remarkable thing about being an American school teacher is how different you know the class dynamics might be from one class to the next. You know, one class might be particularly uh, reticent to speak, another one might just be boiling over with enthusiasm to speak. But I think that well, I'll, I'll explain it by this. Oftentimes, we have to write recommendations and kids will ask us, can you write a recommendation? What have you for college scholarships, whatever the case may be. And one of the things that I will sometimes note in these scholarships is the kid's ability to speak to adults without any nervousness, without any apprehension, without any reservation. And I mention that in recommendations because that's the exception rather than the rule. A lot of times uh, in an ordinary ad hoc situation, young people are not, some young people are not inclined to speak to adults or lack the ability to do so in a competent sort of way. And so I think when you see one and you come across one, first, it's exciting as the teacher, but two, it also kind of gives you a glimpse into what other school systems might demand of their students and what it would be like to have a room full of folks like that. And, you know, in, in high school, we, we think of seniors as, as seniors, but they're still kids, um, mm-hmm. but add a, a grade to that. I mean, that 13th grade is, is really important. So those 12th and 13th graders are, are they're adults, you know, you're, right. you're, you're talking to adults. Um, and, and so classroom management, you know, feels very different in Germany than it does here. Um, I think that, you know, with the younger kids, you know, they're, they're trained. So as the teacher walks in, you know, in many classes still, they stand up. Um, right. Um, but, um, I tried to bring that to the United States. It didn't work out so well. Oh. It's like the idea of kids standing up, you know, like I was a judge or something, but I think I did that too. teaching German here. <laughs> um, it, it usually uh, deteriorated and, you know, and they, 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 they took the standing up too too seriously. And, uh, I don't want to get into it, but it, it, it was uncomfortable. Um, so I stopped. Uh, the other thing I used to do, and, and I'd be called racist today, <laughs> or whatever you want to call it, and it'd be inappropriate, is giving German names to my students. So somebody's name is John. No, my name is Johann or Gunther, um, uh, Helga. It, I mean, it was completely cliche. Um, and, and a pretty standard the, fare with foreign language instruction, I is guess, it not? Yeah, you know, for 25 years, maybe two of the years, I caved and did that because the students would ask, can we have German names? And I said, I don't even know your name, you know, your American <laughs> name. Because I'd ask at the beginning. And so I'd have to, and if I see the kid out in the hallway or something, I say, hello, Helga. You know, <laughs> it's absurd. So I, I just didn't have the memory for it. Um, but I, I doubt that in Germany, you know, they're, they're saying, hey, Tom, you know, using American <laughs> names. I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I, 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 I've never heard that, uh, but uh, who am I? What do I know? But I've never heard that in Germany. No, that, that Hey, Bob. Be, yeah. Bob, John, Johnny, <laughs> Sally. Yeah. It's, it's actually something I've never talked to the, our friends in Germany about, you know, do they think that's a good idea or is this, is, are we getting into something that's a little uncomfortable? I'll bring it up next time. Um, why don't you? Um, I will. So it's all for the podcast, you know. So well, um, the, the I could ger- see this. I could see this being a series. A series. A on series. The oh no, not necessarily on the Germans. Although we could certainly do that as well. But to kind of look at other schools' 
and other school systems around the world, just to kind of see, um, you know, how they do things, because I think it is kind of cool to kind of observe how other cultures and other peoples have approached a problem that we might be experiencing here and how they've dealt with it. And um, uh, certainly there is a lot to be learned. To wrap this discussion up, can you think of, and I'm sure there's more than one, but let's uh, let's stick one idea out there. Is there any aspect of the German system that you think either one is ill-advised or two would never work here? Oh, I, I was saying that it was perfect and we shouldn't change anything and we should okay, adopt it here. Um, <laughs> I, I, and that's me buying time because I'm, I'm trying to think. I think the, the early tracking is, is something that, that would never fly here. Uh, right. Making a decision of, of a really some significance after fourth grade, you know, we don't know, right. you know, we, right. and and there, I mean, we want to, we're, we're barely doing standardized tests. I mean, we start in third grade, right? Yeah, you know, and what what happens then if they get a, a low couple of scores? Well, we're sending you to a trade school, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you'd be a plumber. <laughs> yeah, but we would have to be set up for that, and we'd have to have right. actual choices and. Uh, fields, so that 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 part is, is a little bit um, concerning. I, I think that you'd get a lot of pushback because even now, when you look at the different schools, you know the the Hauptschule, which is kind of the, the everybody who's not in the the college prep, but you know it's a big group. Uh, a lot of the the students there tend to be immigrants, mm. um, and and so there there's some some bias and and selection, and it's a uh, it's a scary thing. If we did that here, you know, you're going to be right. based upon socioeconomic status, probably race and, and, and have a lot of problems and, and, and it would go through the roof. Um, right. and, you know, even if we recommended it. Uh, so I, I think those are the main things, but as far as in that classroom, um, I, I do like the dynamic uh, of, of the, the teaching. Right. Because it's, it's, it's pared down. There's a lot of discussion, um, but not a lot of gimmicks, right? Uh, so, so I, you know, by gimmicks, what do we mean? Um, well, I mean, it's moving group, group right. work and, and all these things that c can be, you know, used to be effective, but not as a methodology across the board. And, mm. they, you know, they think that the student needs to prepare, they need to do their reading, uh, they need to do lots of writing. You know, so their assessments are written. Teacher needs okay. to spend all weekend grading them. So that that part, you know, um, I, I think we would get pushback from the teachers. You know, yes. how many of your teachers, you know, in, in your department would want to be grading essays all weekend? That'd be a tough sell. I mean, I, I, of course, a lot of teachers do do it, you know, AP teachers and the like. But um, you know, we, you know, you know, I, I think not just teachers, but teacher unions. I think that would be, and we don't. I, I know you don't want to necessarily weigh into those waters just yet, uh, but I think teacher unions would also be a serious uh, uh, roadblock to, to some of these ideas. And so um, certainly good things, bad things. You know, we do tracking too. We just do it for different reasons. And somehow that's more acceptable. You know, for example, academic tracking and, and gifted and talented, you know, we just had, we just had a, a video we had to watch, you know, my kids in first grade, and they're talking about advanced mathematics and they're, and in this, this woman to me as a first grade parent mentioned the SAT and she goes, this is going to be great training for kids is taking the SAT. And I'm sitting there going, what the hell are you talking about the SAT for my kids in first grade? I mean, just 
let's let's uh, let's let's consider the the surroundings here. Why why are we jumping like this? And of course, you know this this is a whole nother podcast. I didn't mean to get into this these weeds, but um, um, you know the, the, the idea of tracking. We accept tracking to a certain extent, and then we accept tracking not accept it in other uh, instances. But so certainly, the idea of tracking is not unfamiliar to us. But this kind of tracking, right? I think you're. I think you're correct. I think it would be very problematic here in the U.S. So it would be tricky. Um, and it would be tricky. Our students, our you know, our high school students, think about class rank. It's they have it on the brain. You know, I'm number six. I'm number twelve. Um, in Germany, they don't know where their ranking is. It's none of their business. You know, and right. so so then it never comes up because they have a, a a test with some some teeth at the end that'll right. determine their ranking. It's based upon that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's not it's not a lifelong obsession. It's something that just hits at the end. But uh, well, I think we've had this a pretty good discussion about the German school, and and I, I'm sad that I haven't been there in a while because of current situation and conditions. But uh, hopefully to be there very soon again. So and hope you get there soon again. Well, um, I may just at one of these times go back just for old times' sake, and, right. and as we know a lot, we have a lot of friends there. We and, do, um, but but still, when I pull up those um, analytics, you know, the two people who hate us in Germany, as far as the podcast, <laughs> what did I say? Two point five percent liking. They're us? still listening, though, right? Uh, no, they, no, they, okay. They listened to about two point five percent of the podcast. I think that's probably how it's uh, set up, and, and they turned us off. Um, oh dear, was it our pronunciation? Um, right. I don't know, but something really touched the nerve. <laughs> so I think this, you know, that. Germans are good with giving um, feedback, you know. So, so I, I know you have a lot of friends out there in Germany. So do I. They'll probably say, "Well, you know, Ross and Steve, you you have this wrong. You know, this is actually not true." So they'll, they're they're pretty free <laughs> with with their uh, feedback, particularly to us. I get a lot of feedback from Germans for years. <laughs> getting a complex now, so I know. Uh, that's what the Germans will do to you. So they will. But, but you know, <laughs> we, we've gone through this without any really bad or inappropriate jokes. You know, I'm, I'm proud of both of us um, for that. I didn't think I'd make it, to be honest <laughs> with you. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to do, do some silly accents, and <laughs> but it didn't happen. So, hello, my hair. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> we, we need to stop that. Damn it! Damn it! I, I thought I, I thought I was going to make the whole podcast without you doing that. You were close. Damn it. All right. Very good. All right. Here, Dr. Bourgeois. Are we ready to close this thing out? Uh, Herr Miller, I think we are. And um, should we say Auf Wiedersehen or Auf Wiederhören? Which would be Auf Wiederhören, I guess. Yeah. Auf Wiederhören would work too. We'll so. hear you again. Uh, yes. So, well, let's, let's hear each other again. So long, Herr Dr. Bourgeois. Thank you for not singing.